Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There's this view of Black folks as labor. Right. And so it's like, you know, I can't tell you how many people that I know who have had family members who pass away really early. Like, literally, they they retire one day and within, like, a week, they're gone. Mm. <laughs> a week. And that's a story I hear so much within the Black community. And interrupting that we are not labor, that we are human beings, and we're going to center our humanity because we live in this context that doesn't see black folks as human as humans as humans as humans welcome to wow black a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black if black culture's there we're there if you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back, folks. We're so glad that you all are back with us, especially on, on a topic like today. This is, um, I don't, I don't know shit about this topic, just to be honest, right? It's probably something I need to know a lot more about, <laughs> which, which is why we're here today. Right. Like, today is all about healing. And it's really focused on black women, but I have a feeling that, brothers, you'll be able to listen in and, and get some learning, too. Here's what I know when it comes to healing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Blank. Crickets. Right. And the mic goes <laughs> dropped. <laughs> I, I know we need it, but I don't know the first thing about how to get it. Like, to be honest, I don't know what state we're striving for. I don't really know where we are today, what, what our baseline is, what our, what our benchmark. But what I do know is 
there's got to be something better than what we are right now. And that's not a knock to where we are right now. It's simply the belief that I, you, we can always be better than we are now. And here's the beautiful thing about that. Art and I don't know the what, don't know the how. But there are people in the world who do. There are people in the world who have dedicated their time, their mental capacity, their space, their physicality to figuring out how to help us. And that's what we have today. So I want to take a real quick minute and introduce you to Therese Couture. She's a mother, a leadership coach, a healer, a storyteller, and the founder of Embodied Black Girl. She's worked for over a decade to promote wellness and healing among women of color. And I'm glad she's here with us today to help you, me, Art, all of us figure out what this healing journey really should be about and maybe even how to get started. So, Therese, welcome to Wild Black. I appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to dive into the conversation and you both had me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. We always have fun. And these, yeah. honestly, these are some of the best conversations because I really don't know a damn thing about it, right? I mean, <laughs> what, what does healing really mean? Like, I, I don't know that I know the answer. And I'm going to assume that there are a bunch of other people just like me who need you to lead us. So, mm. welcome to Wild Black. Are you ready to lead? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Cool. Well, bro, you want to hit it with that wild black shit? Dun, 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 dun. All right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. So, Therese, this is what we got today. So, you got three questions. Two questions. Our first two questions going to get you kind of warmed up. And then the third question is our signature wild black question. All right. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. And Therese, your, your, <laughs> your questions are so easy. We, we went so easy on you today. Yeah, they, 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 they oh, look, I don't they know. Look, we'll they see. Light. They look light. Hmm, let's, let's see if we can spice them up then. Let me see. Hmm. All right, first question. We love to talk about things that black folks do and the things that make us who we are. A big part of that is the food that so many of us enjoy. Now, in order to make the food taste the way it does, we add a whole bunch of love, but we also add a whole bunch of seasoning. So in the name of good food, Please tell us three seasonings that you would expect to find in a black person's kitchen. Oh, three seasonings that mm-hmm. I would expect to find. Um, I would say, uh, of course, salt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, salt, I would say. For in, in our family, garlic, like we put garlic in everything mm-hmm. and onions in everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'll go <laughs> so with that. So those are the three. <laughs> Art, she missing in your opinion, bro? Um, Any other staples from your world? I like Italian seasoning. Okay. Yeah, I can see like that. the little Italian joint. I can see that. Um, what you got? Man, Tony. Hot sauce. Hot, hot sauce. sauce. It's hot, hot sauce. sauce. Oh, my gosh. Yes. In black that household? is a seasoning. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, hot it's sauce. A, it's a season all. Popcorn, <laughs> pickles, yes, everything. fish. Yep. Don't matter. Hot sauce. Yeah. But check this out. Wait, 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 wait. What type of hot sauce, though? What, what, what's the hot sauce brand? Tabasco. 
Louisiana, that's Tabasco. What it, like, Tabasco. Yeah. If anyone says Texas Pete, y'all ain't messing with the Texas Pete. Bro, don't tell me you fucking with Texas Pete. I don't, I don't, oh, I don't, well, I, I don't. You, I was don't. About to, you was about to lead the show. But check it out. I got I got all the hot sauces in my in my uh, cabinet because everybody seems like it's regional. Okay. True story. True story. And we, True story. we, we forgot pepper, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tony, of course. Tony, season all, but you got, you got oh, We good, we good. Hey, wait, wait, and Lowry's. All day. Lowry's, yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, soy sauce with Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> but not even the kind in the bottle, the kind left over from when you order the, the oh, meal. Order the <laughs> the packets. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. All right, number two. All right, so we saw this on social media and liked it, so we brought it here. Tell me two different ways black people say they are dressed well. Oh, you look good today. How do black folks say how do, that? Yeah, how we how we hit people with with a, a you look good today? Uh, what, what do we normally say? I mean, this is like back in the day. You look fly. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I was teaching, my kids would say the kids I was teaching were looking fleek. That's what they would say. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we can go with those. We can go with those. Where Where you at, bro? Man, the, okay, black dress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fedora hat. I right, see you. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, stilettos. <laughs> yeah, casket sharp looking ass. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, look. Hey, you Don't killing hurt them. them today? Right. You killing them? Yeah. <laughs> you think you cute? Huh? <laughs> That's a line right there. Yes, indeed. That's a line. That's gonna get a response. Them, them all good. Them all good. Good man. Why do we do that? Man, who knows? Because look, we we know when somebody fly though. That that's so mm-hmm. we we gotta say something when they when they mm-hmm. when they showing out. All right, I see you with the creases in your pants. I see right the leather. <laughs> He took out the iron today. That's right. <laughs> right, right. And then you said on the slide too, so it's kind of like, wait a minute. Let me, let me, let me, let me see if you just playing or you really gave me a compliment. Right. Are you really saying I'm looking flower? Why don't iron most days? What you trying to say? Right. <laughs> Where you at with that? All right. Third question. This is our signature question. What do you love most about life while black? Oh, I mean, everything, everything, the culture, the everything. I mean, for me, I love being a Black woman um, Mm -hmm. because I feel that Black women are the thought leaders. I feel like Black women, there's so many Black women who are the visionaries. and, um, And really, when Black women are free, everyone gets free. Mm-hmm. You won't, you won't find a single argument from me on that one. <laughs> true. Not a single one. All right. We'll jump into our dope quote. And our, our dope quote, our listeners know, is just something from history, religion, science, math, something. But it pertains to the episode and 99 times out of 10, it's from someone black. Today it is. Today's dope quote is this. And I'd love to get your perspective, Therese, after I read this. Take a day to heal from the lies you told yourself and the ones that have been told to you by Maya Angelou. What do you think when you hear that quote? Mm, I just love, 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 love Maya Angelou, number one. One of my favorite poets, writers, and... um... At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. 
In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I think it's about remembering like the word that comes to mind immediately when I hear that is remembering, remembering who you are, remembering your power, remembering your roots, um, remembering your wholeness. Yeah. That's what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. Art, anything come to you? Mm. (laughs) The lies you've been told. A lot of them too. As if they're surrounding us, we got to be able to decipher what's, what's truth from, um, from not from 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 the lies, so you should be able to take some some time to reflect. What about you, bro? I think it's just important to do it. I don't have any any thoughts, but I think it's great advice, right? The I think we internalize so much of what's encapsulated us from an audio standpoint, an auditory standpoint, the things that we hear, the things that we taught. Even the things that we feel, right, because of the way we've been taught and we have learned to behave as black folks in this country, I think we lie to ourselves in all those ways. All those mechanisms are used to, you know, really manage us and to control us. And so I I do think that it's important that we are are very intentional in healing from that. And and maybe that's what I learned today, right? Where else we can take that that power and how we can apply it to make ourselves even better, even greater. It's crazy because now I'm thinking about it even more. What does that even mean? Like, what does is, what is take a day to heal really even? Like, I could take a day, but but am I healing in right. the day? Are or, you effective? Or, yeah. Am I, <laughs> am, I, am I just doing other stuff that I would just normally be doing if I was, you know, taking a day for myself? Mm-hmm. What does healing look like? Yeah. How do we actually heal? How do we know when we're making progress versus when we're just wasting our time? Right. Is it is it a process like when uh if you had a cold or... Right. You know, or the flu and you you were getting over it and you just kind of take some time and heal, but yeah. Someone asked me the other day, how well did I meditate? And my answer was, I don't know because I'll always fall asleep when I try. So <laughs> yes. I don't know if I was even successful. Yeah, I think that that's a sign of, of success is when you go to sleep. Oh, no, but I do the same thing. <laughs> I sit up for five minutes and it's quiet and you, you, right, you be out. Is, it, is that healing? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, am I healed now? Am I yeah. good? Am I good when I wake up? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Therese, so I think from there it's an it's an easy place to go into the main conversation. And and I want to start actually with, with something related to what we just got done kind of kind of playing about. We'll we'll get into why you started Embodied Black Girl and what it really means. But because we're gonna spend so much time talking about healing in, in many different aspects. I'd love to ask you from your perspective, from being in this space, what does it look like when you start to heal and what should the end goal be? Mm, such a good question. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, 
what does healing mean and what does it look like? And I think that's an individual question, that uh, individual answer for each person. Right. And at the same time, I can say that healing looks like making different choices. Mm. That's when you know that you're healing, when you're making different choices. Um, but first, that it has to start with telling, being able to tell yourself the truth. A lot of times, I mean, just going back to the quote that you shared with my Angelou and the word that keeps coming back around are the lies. And there are lies that we tell ourselves. And there are lies that we have internalized, that we have been indoctrinated with living in our society. So I feel like the first part is the truth, facing the truth. And we live in a society and in a culture that doesn't like to face the the truth, especially in in America. Um, But I feel it resonates many different places throughout the world. Um, So it first starts with telling ourselves the truth, but it, but we know we're healing when we're, we're making different choices and we know we're healing when we are relating to ourselves, to one another and to the earth in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the point you just made about the truth Right. And us not being willing to accept the truth. It just, it just made me think, and this is completely off topic, so I'll say it very quickly. <clears throat> it just made me think of the concept of critical race theory. Right. And the fact that today so many of us know what it is. And that's a function of so many people not being willing to accept the truth of who we are as a country. That's made it so that people recognize the name critical race theory. The fact that we're even talking about it or need to talk about it is an indication that we are not open to accepting our own truths all day long. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking about critical race theory as I was answering that. So it's amazing (laughs) that you brought it up. Um, And yeah, with critical race theory, we live in in a culture where what is in the shadows or what's in the closet, what's under the bed, what's hiding in the graveyards stays there. And no one wants to face it until it's, creates a situation where we're unable to not face it. Yeah. Which which is what happened in 2020 with um the murder of George Floyd yeah. and the uprisings that sprung from that. Yeah. That, you know, it wasn't overnight. It it stems from centuries, yeah. centuries of oppression. I think as a as a society, as an American community, we are we are much more interested in being comfortable than being truthful. But that's a whole nother episode. Let's dive, <laughs> let's dive into this topic. I, w- I want to start and kind of set a baseline for people and, and really establish what Embodied Black Girl is, what it does, and, and why this mission of healing is so necessary. Yeah, I think just to piggyback on what you said about comfortable versus truthful, But um, what I feel and what I know is that healing, like our healing, a lot of people look at healing or the way that it's looked at in, um, you know, the modern personal development, spirituality world is healing is all about the self, right? right? It's, It's looked through the lens of individualism. So it's looked through a very Western lens. 
a, um, a very Americanized lens. When in truth, healing is about community. Healing is about relationship because the harm or the pain that any of us have experienced, very rarely are we like, I'm in a room alone and, you know, something and, you know, this pain happened, right? Typically it happens in relationship um, with other human beings. I mean, sometimes that pain can occur like through a natural, natural disaster that happens, but then there's usually subsequent human interactions that could make that disaster, that natural disaster happening worse or amplify what has happened. Um, Yeah, so in terms of embodied Black girl, uh, we start with being in our bodies, right? What does being in our bodies mean? What does it mean to be embodied? And the reason why we focus on embodiment is, again, um, in a westernized context, the focus is always on the cognitive. Everything is kind of intellectualized but nothing sinks down below the neck. And healing happens in the body, right? It happens somatically. Same thing as like our trauma, our pain, it happens within our bodies. So this is about reconnecting to the parts of our bodies. And, you know, the word embodiment, it means to be in our bodies. Mm. We're already embodied, but are we operating? Are we making choices? that are in alignment with the fullness of who we are. Most people are not necessarily doing that. They're making choices from the past or from pain um, versus from, okay, I'm supported, I'm whole. That makes sense. What's your mission? Our mission is really about healing. Black folks, specifically Black women and Black femmes, and supporting their healing journey um, so that they can show up as better leaders, as the leaders who who they truly want to be in their communities, in their homes, um, and in their lives. So this is about personal transformation, but it also ripples into community transformation because our personal transformation really is to make, I believe, to make the world a better place. You know, during our, our pre-call when we were talking, there were several words that you said. You, you talked about embodied healing. You talked about embodiment. You talked about liberation, specifically liberation of Black women, decolonization. And so we didn't dig deeper because we didn't want to, you know, go beyond the surface in our, in our exploratory call. But I, I do now, right, because our, our listeners are here with us. So I'd love if you could take each of those words and talk about what they mean in the context of Embodied Black Girl as an organization. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, To expand on embodiment, again, it's really about coming into our bodies so that we can make choices that are in alignment of our deepest truth, of our deepest healing, of our deepest source of power for ourselves, our families, and our communities. So it's really being able to listen to the cues and the messages that are 
that our body is giving us at all times. Like, for example, if you just take a breath right now and just like tap into like, what is, what, what are some feelings? What are some sensations that are coming in through your body? And we might not know what that means, but when we develop a, a conversation with ourselves, with our bodies and get curious around, okay, well, what does that mean? We might get some answers, right? And we're, what we're doing is that we're interrupting the ways that we have been programmed, whether it's by our family of origin, whether it's by society and what society says, who and what we should be. Um, so when we start to, we start to interrupt that when we get truthful. And truthful, the truth often resides in our bodies, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing about listening. And really with decolonization, and I have to say with the word decolonization, it really has a very long, long history in indigenous cultures, in black cultures, in black revolution, in the Haitian revolution as well. And that definition is really very woven into um, the land, right? Land sovereignty and um, being free of colonial powers that be. So really mm. having true sovereignty over yourself, right? And um, so part of me having that sovereignty over ourselves is also decolonizing our minds. Mm. Like what parts of our minds have been, have been um, taken over by colonization. And uh, often, you know, people are like, oh, colonization is something that happened, ED, but it's actually something that is happening right, <laughs> right now. And it's just morphed into um, many different things, such as capitalism. And, uh, but it impacts, it impacts who we are and what we're doing. So it's really about looking back, um, looking back and seeing, okay, what are the, what is it about what I believe that, that I was taught? It's not necessarily what I truly believe. What do I truly believe? And it's also about connecting to, um, especially for Black folks, I feel connected, to, connecting to our own ancestral practices. Um, and, and I know for a lot of people that can be very confronting um, in many ways because we live in a culture that says everything that is Black is evil, yeah. right? And when it comes to um, African spirituality, it's, there's just a view of like, oh, that's evil, but things are evil un until they're truly colonized. Right. It's kind of like how, um, the, you know, yoga, what we see yoga today, it's like everyone does yoga, but it's been colonized, right? Yoga has been colonized from Indian cultures. So. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? 
well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. So decolonization is about opening up our minds and also remembering. There's a remembering aspect. So because many of our histories have been erased and we've been, um, there's been the severance of our history, I think it's really important to, to, to know and recognize that we have the power to remember. And this is like actually going back to embodiment. And in our bodies, our actual DNA, our DNA, and if you look into the um, into epigenetics, that essentially shows us scientifically that trauma has the ability to be passed down from generation. Mm. Healing, on the flip side, healing also can be passed down through generation. So. Um, I've heard many amazing stories from various Black folks, and this has happened in my family. This has happened to me where, you know, someone would have a dream and they would get a healing or something, you know, like these kind of stories. And that's the remembrance. And sometimes we have to quiet ourselves down to remember. Um, And that comes from being in our bodies. And there's one more word I thought you wanted me to (laughs) talk about. I know. I think you you actually hit them all. You actually hit them mm. all. But even to to stay on decolonization just a little bit, hearing you kind of walk through that, it felt it felt like for me the ability to to be who I truly am, even even if that person is not someone that I yet know, because I am colonized, right? Because I do accept and practice these norms and behavioral rules that have been taught to us over generations and through time that dictate how I'm supposed to act, speak, talk, what success even looks like, how I define myself through this construct that's been built for me and around me and enforced upon me. I really like the idea of this decolonization. And and I see, like through your example, how that can lead to or support liberation and how understanding who I am and being present in my body like helps to make all that happen. So if we were to talk about the process that you just went through, how does someone start, right? Because hearing it, it sounds great. When I think about everything you just said, my entire body said, I want that. But then my mind kicked in and my mind said, how do I do it? What, what's step one? What, what's step five? Am I even ready for step one? Do I need a, a pre-course? Like, how do I get there? How do I even start? Hmm. It's so interesting. Like you, you said the two things, like the body was like, yes. And then the mind, your mind said, well, how? Yep. For some people, their mind is like, no, you can't do that. 
right? So different people could have different things happen in their mind. So at least your mind is like starting to get on board to be like, oh, okay, this could be interesting. But with with, um, healing and decolonization, what we should learn to expect is that resistance will come up. Like there will be resistance. Like if we're like, okay, it's coming. And then so when it's there, we're not like, we're not fooled. Like we're not tricked because it's a trickster. Right. And Um, the programming worked and it's still working. So we're going to question that. Yeah, it's still working. And I have to say, like, I don't have this romanticized view. And I think it's really important not to have that romanticized view because the romanticized view is actually colonization, Mm. right? (laughs) Being able to romanticize things, that is colonization. So we're not going to get to this like pre-colonial world because we are already in a colonial world. What we can do is to create something better than what we have now and hopefully pass on the baton to future generations so they can continue building upon what we're doing. So the first thing you can do is anyone is like, just how do you feel? How, what are you sensing in your body right now in this moment? Taking a breath. And telling yourself the truth. So the way we start to interrupt things are when, let's say someone is like, hey, can you work late? (laughs) Can you work late yet another day, right? And so many people can relate to that. Taking a breath, the automatic could be to say yes, because we live in grind culture, right? Yeah. But taking a breath and being like, oh, I actually want to spend time with my family or I actually just want to spend time reading a book or just resting and being able to say no, right? That those are the small incremental things that make a long-term difference. Where can you start saying no? Because I think for Black folks, and this is Black folks in America, anywhere that has um, experience enslavement in the Caribbean, in South America, it's like there's this view of Black folks as labor. Right. And so it's like, you know, I can't tell you how many people that I know who have had family members who passed away really early. Like literally they they retire one day and within like a week, they're gone. Mm. (laughs) A week. And that's a story I hear so much within the Black community. And interrupting that we are not labor, that we are human beings, and we're going to center our humanity. I'm going to center my humanity. And what does it look like to center my humanity? Because we live in this context that doesn't see Black folks as human beings, right? So when we're able to take a breath and stop and start and start making choices that center our humanity, that's that's when we start making, you know, we start seeing different things happen in our lives. There are, of course, other practices. There's there's meditation, which I teach breath work, 
another um, beautiful practice. There's embodiment practices like moving, but it's all intentional. There's, you know, questioning, being in a real deep inquiry. But the, the first step is like, okay, noticing. What do you notice? What do you notice? Whether it's in your body or what do you notice about your life? And what don't you like? Hmm. Um, Can I ask a question real quick? Go ahead. You've mentioned like paying attention to your body, right? Taking that breath, focusing on, on, on what you feel or, or what you hear. And I wonder how many people even really know how to do that. And I don't know if this is even a fair question, but how do you teach someone to quiet themselves and hear themselves or, or really feel what their body's saying? Not just the fact that I have a phone in my hand or, or, or not just that my shoes are too tight, but how do they really feel what they need or what their body's trying to tell them? How do, you, how do we talk to ourselves like that? Well, I would say, of course, you can get into a, in a community, right? Get into a community where this becomes a practice. Because if we're, we haven't seen it, like for, like I know growing up, like I watched my mother, she was working multiple jobs. She, and she had to, um, we grew up below the poverty line. So she was doing all of these things just to, to put food on the table. Um, So there are folks dealing with, with that right now. And for those people who are dealing with that, it's completely a com- it's completely a different path and it's harder. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, sure. You have like three, four kids and then you were working two jobs. It is so much harder, which is why we need community support. Yeah. So we need spaces where we this becomes normalized and these conversations become normalized. Yeah. The only, our saving grace was that I grew up in Brooklyn and it was, I really was raised within a community. Like there was no way we wouldn't have something to eat because someone else would always bring us a meal. And when we had surplus, we right. would bring it to other folks. Right, right. So that concept of community, it, it, really, it really begins to, to create a foundation for healing. So. I would tell people, of course, you can start alone, but don't, if you can, don't start alone. Start in a community where you can, where you can show up, right? And even if you show, you don't have to show up perfectly, but start in a community. But if you're starting alone, you're just listening to this podcast, you're like, well, (laughs) what do I do? Taking a deep breath, closing your eyes and checking in, what do you notice in your body? That's it. So right now, if I check in, I notice my heart is beating a little bit faster than it typically would. I notice that there's a little bit of tension in my upper mid-back. I'm noticing my feet. So do you see even like I'm, even when I started saying that, my breath slowed down. I became more grounded in this moment. Like this is, this is how simple it can be. Just noticing. 
You're not doing anything. All you're doing is noticing. And for me, because I've been practicing for a long time, me just noticing, it actually starts to shift things. So that's what happens when you practice. But, um, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to say that. And that's like another illusion, like, well, we have to be perfect. But just noticing, how am I arriving? How am I arriving in this moment? In my physically, how am I arriving in this moment emotionally? How am I arriving in this moment in my mind? And how is my spirit arriving in this moment? So those are four questions that, you know, right now, someone who's listening to this um, can ask themselves. Wow. Fred, did you, were you doing it? I attempted to, right? But it, that's extremely difficult for me. What, what, I mean, what happened amount, to you? The amount of... The noise in your head? Yeah, oh, man, I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> so it, it's like, how do I... How do you stop? It's almost like you got to like go beyond yourself or outside of yourself to say, hey, you need to calm. You need to, you need to quiet everything else that's going down or give yourself some time for that to kind of die out. Yeah. Or how do you... It, I, for me, it's always difficult to get to that mode of being like in tune with your star player to the point where you could, you could, you know, you could tap your feet and say, hey, I'm a little nervous. You know what he needs. And then you calm yourself down by just saying it to yourself. Hey, why are you nervous? Or what's going on? How, how, how are you doing? It's almost like you're talking to yourself, right? Like, it's just like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. It, and it almost feels like when you, when you get to that point, am I crazy? <laughs> Some crazy <laughs> shit, right? Like, <laughs> Like, why am I talking to myself? And then why is, and why is my body responding to me talking to myself, right? Mm. So am I crazy? Yeah. Like, if you get to that point, though, right? Yeah, like, no, like I, first I you got to be able to get to that point. But then when you do, it could be a little scary. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. My leg's shaking. <laughs> I say I'm nervous. Hey, calm down. And then I stop. And then my heart starts to You're like, holy shit, I relax. listen to me. I, I, what, what is this? What is this? What is, I'm, I, can, I can control myself, what? Yeah. You know what I noticed? I stopped mm. while, while you were listening and, and, I, and I closed my eyes <clears throat> just to kind of quiet myself. But what I realized was I was looking for pain. All right, I'm so, I don't think I listen to my body enough unless something hurts. Yeah. So the first thing mm. I did was I didn't go inside and, and feel my toes or, or feel my chest or feel my breath. <laughs> Like, what hurts? Right. I was thinking about where's my pain? Like, what, what's sore on me right now? Like, yeah. what hurts? How do I fix that? And like, I don't know where this goes, but to me, that feels like, that feels like something else, like another level of, of how did you put it, decolonization or, or, or liberating myself or actually more being embodied because my response to what do I need was not digging in and asking what nourishment did I need. It was looking for an obvious ailment. Like, that's where I started. Like, where does the pain come from? And it also could be because I'm 45 and I'm old, right? That could have also played a role, but I was looking for pain. Mm. Mm. You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting here is, and I don't know if this is the right word or not, but it's, it's what's come to me several times while you're talking, although we've made no mention of this, but almost a level of spirituality here, right? Is, is, that, is that a fair assessment? Is, is that right? Are we looking for that? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, there's so much I want to talk to, uh, talk <laughs> on or talk about. But I feel that, you know, different 
different people have different perspectives, but I definitely come from a more spiritual perspective because I believe we are spiritual beings having a human experience in this life, Mm. as one of my teachers would say. Um, And my teacher, Reverend um, Michael Bernard Beckwith. I just want to name him. And that's a pretty cool last name, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so I definitely, I don't separate that. Right. And also, I think it's important to recognize like there's a difference between like spirituality or, you know, spirit and religion. It's like, and dogma. There's like, it's very different. And I feel, um, they often get conflated because there's a lot of there's a lot of harm that many people have experienced. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Through um, religion. Right. There's a lot of good stuff some people have experienced, but I've met a lot of people who've experienced some form of harm. And that gets conflated with spirituality. Um, So people sometimes I have found can deny their spirituality because they've been so harmed through dogma. Yeah. Right. So that's 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 the thing there. And and. I think one of the, I was laughing earlier because I was like, oh, you're talking to yourself. (laughs) Am I going crazy? Or like, what is, what's going on? And I was like, well, something is always talking to you anyway. So it might as well be your voice, right? Society, the culture, the programming is always pushing out whatever message it is, which is, which it could be like, oh, you got to grind, you got to hustle, you got to make it, you got to <laughs> make it to the top. There's like all of these things that that are the programming that is like blaring out. So actually, when you start talking to yourself, you can actually start putting in the things that you want to remember mm. and putting that into your body. So even thinking that, oh, actually, you know, there is always something talking. So why not let it be me? Yeah. Why not it, let it be something that's really positive and affirming of my humanity and and supporting my liberation than something that is just like getting me to be like a cog <laughs> in the matrix or something? Yeah, that I mean that's interesting, right? Because it it in my mind it creates this duality of <laughs> of you and you, where you have the ability to program you. Knowingly mm. or unknowingly. Mm. And it's like tying into, into that duality to know the, the real power of what that, of what that is. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what felt spiritual to me, is, is yeah. the point you, you just made. It was like all of a sudden, I had a level of control on myself, right? The, the ability yep. to begin to fix something inside of me. Because once I got past looking for pain, I felt my back, but it wasn't back pain. Like I literally just felt my back or, or I, I felt where my thoughts were going and I felt myself stressing in the moment to think what was the next question I was going to ask. Like I felt all of that just in that moment. And I can't really remember connecting with myself like that too often before. Typically when I'm talking, 
I'm not talking to me. Correct. Right. I'm talking Correct. to it, someone else. When are you really talking to yourself? Right. Right. And when should you? All be? the time. Right. Should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, you probably should be talking to yourself all the time. But then the question comes: Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we've been told crazy people are the ones who talk, talk to themselves. themselves. Yeah. Look at that. Well, learning some shit. Just- <laughs> She's well, probably like, one- Lord, have mercy. Please, please <laughs> get them back on track. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I'm going to just, you know, about we live in in a society that that um that pretty much just like gives out a prescription yeah. to to people. Like they put out labels on people who are quote unquote crazy. Right. Yeah. And it's a negative connotation. Yeah. Like, I, you know, years, many, 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 many years ago, not that many years ago, but um, women who were, you know, our folks who are menstruating were viewed as crazy. <laughs> and yep. so yeah. yep. I just I feel like it's it's also part of the culture yeah. that um, kind of puts a label on. On, on folks, right? That might not be the correct label. Absolutely. Like they, just, they just put a label on, on Which people. goes right back to decolonization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing, it's not about fixing. Like one of the things that, you know, I heard the word fix and I was like, well, it's not, what if we can approach it from wholeness, that you're already whole, right? And right. to me, the process is just remembering. Yeah. remembering things that you have forgotten. So it's not about fixing. It's about remembering. It's about recognizing. Yeah. It's about orienting towards wholeness, orienting towards liberation. And I feel like I just want to touch upon liberation because um, one of the things that we had talked about before um, was, uh, or I had talked about this before, but I just think one of the um, people that really inspire me is Harriet Tubman. Right. And the story of story of Harriet Tubman. Um, and, you know, growing up, I remember reading that Harriet Tubman, they viewed her as illiterate. However, for Harriet Tubman to have freed these folks that were enslaved, Harriet Tubman was very attuned to nature. So whenever she would lead people, you know, through that journey, it was always during a full moon. So I always think about that the moon was conspiring with Harriet Tubman and with Black folks for our freedom. Mm. So if you know, if we're looking ourselves through, what lens are we looking ourselves through? Are we looking ourselves through the colonizer lens or are we looking through ourselves through the lens of our ancestors who deeply loved us and made all of these sacrifices in order for us to be here today? They had to dream something into existence, right? For us to even be having this conversation today. Yeah. 
So part of our healing is an honoring of that liberatory journey, but that that journey is not over. Part of our healing is also opening a path to, to, to liberation, to true liberation, right? Because yes, there have been strides, but then when you look back, you're like, there's, there's a lot of things that are the same, right? There's, there's a lot of black folks who are not living in dignity in this country. Does Flint have clean water? I mean, it's, it's just like, there's a long list. Um, so our healing is for our individual, but also collective liberation. Yeah. It's almost, it's really interesting. In my head, I'm hearing you talk about, you know, this, this, this liberation. And for me, even the word liberation tells me that I'm being held against my will for something that I'm supposed to have access to. And, and it takes me to a, a word you said before, which is birthright. Mm. And so how much of this, nope, I don't want to ask that because I know the answer to that. How do we reset our perspective and learn to see things through an ancestral lens that you mentioned a moment ago to help us recognize that we have a birthright toward everything we're fighting for now? It's our, it's, it is already it is already ours. We we already have access to it. How do we remember that, change our perspective, and achieve that? Practice, and I know it's not like this. <laughs> it's through practice. Practice how we're being with one another, how we're relating to people in our household. Um, practice to how we're relating to the earth. Like a big part of it, our ancestors honored the earth. Like there is a desecration of the earth happening right now. And I feel there's, you know, many people in indigenous cultures um, throughout the world, including African indigenous cultures who are here to shepherd us towards what it means to be in right relationship with the earth. Right. Because this is our home. And, and if we look at what's going on in our home, it's not, it's not sustainable. Right. It's not sustainable for the next coming generations. It may not even be sustainable for our lives. Right. Um, Depending on how bad things get. Um, So did I answer your question? Yeah. I feel like I. No, no, you're mm -hmm. you're great. You're great. That's really wide. It's it's really broad. Like the. the, I think that the, the depth of of that journey is, is it, to me, seems difficult. It, it doesn't seem like, you know, a, a path that you could take. Um, even solo, I, I, I think it, it sounds very difficult. Like to, in one, it's, it's like the, the, the truthfulness of kind of recognizing the current situation in which you are in and being able to step outside of that and to, to decipher what, the connectivity of what the lie is versus the truth, and it's every aspect. So when you when you went into like the, the the planet, yeah, I think everybody can agree that it's a lot of things is happening. But individually, what does that mean, and how what modifications would you potentially make 
as it relates to you and your connectivity to the truth versus, you know, anything else or, or, or really versus what you did previously. And that is where I kind of get to the point of, man, this is really complex. Like it, it is not a, it is, it is not a, a task for um, someone who may be a little more simple minded. <laughs> yeah. Just about your relationship. I feel like there's this individual relationship to nature, to the earth. It can simply just being outside and just saying, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like really just gratitude. Obviously, there are more layers to that. There's because we're living, we live in a society where politics is part of it, where, you know, um, voting for people who are cognizant of those things and um, people who are in movement and organizers and finding ways that we can support those movements or if we're organizers ourselves, like, you know, getting people to understand the importance, this interconnection of all things. So that could mean, um, I know locally, like we have like an environmental um, circle for our community and it extends to other communities around. It might be, my thing could be getting involved with that. Um, There are many different ways, but it can all start with just gratitude, like how, you know, just being grateful and for me, it also starts with making different choices. Like even with what mm-hmm. I buy, yep. um, I'm just really, I, I try to be much more conscious about what I, what I buy. But I don't want to put the onus, like the whole burden on just individuals because who is really polluting the earth are corporations. Like that's who is truly polluting the earth. So we do need policy and, and change at that level in order to really have the massive impact so that things can kind of like start to, you know, go back, go back to a, a baseline where we can all live here. But this is the thing about healing, right? If we're not, if we're not doing our individual work, we're not able to even think about those things, Correct. right? And some people can't even see those I, things. Some people can't see those things because of their situation and because of the situation that they're in. So different people are starting at different points. So you're starting from where you are. But for those of us who are able to do do some of this work, we're able to show up differently. We're able to show up and be leaders, right? Be leaders that are, that's weaving this new consciousness. So it it opens our eyes, right? We're opening others' eyes. So this is where we activate ourselves as leaders. And in doing that, it helps activate others as leaders. Like one of the things I know Darius, we talked about, I was like, my big thing is legacy, right? And And what is the legacy that I'm going to leave behind? And in order to leave that legacy behind, it's not just like, oh, about me. It's about, okay, who can, who, who do I, who can I help, right? To recognize, yes, you're a leader. Leader is not like a white dude, right? It's not right. like a white dude or tech bros. I'm sorry. I know we're using tech right now, but it's not. That's not the definition of like the, you know, leader. And a leader, I want everyone who's listening to this, recognize that 
you're a leader. You are a leader. And, and when people recognize that, that, that's going to make, that starts to make the shift. Because if you're a leader, well, how are you going to show up? If you're a leader, are you going to show up like, you know, the president who shall not be named, <laughs> the former president, <laughs> right? Are you going to show up like that? Or are you going to show up with someone who, someone who cares about our world, who cares about human beings? So, and, and if we're like, well, I don't want to show up like this person. I want to show up in integrity within myself, then healing becomes more of a priority. Um, and again, it's not about fixing. Um, and, you know, you had said you were looking for pain. I just want to circle that back. You're looking for pain. Yeah. And I think another thing important for Black folks is to remember pleasure. Yeah, yeah. To remember pleasure. Like our ancestors found joy even in the midst of all they were facing. Like I just, you know, my house, it was just like laughter and jokes and just like so much joy all the time. And recognizing that for us, especially a Black folks, joy, you know, finding those moments where we can access our true joy is so important to our healing too. Mm. You know, as I was doing reading, for this episode and, and kind of really digging into the work that you do, I saw a mention of weaving a new world. And so if, if, if I think about our conversation, once we find ourselves in the position that we are embodied, right, and we have begun to truly work on liber liberation and we are decolonizing ourselves, what does this new world look like, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. It looks like a world where we all get to live in dignity. I like that. Yeah, I, I, really simple, but it's a world where we all get to live in dignity. And, you know, there's, there's our individual nervous systems. And for those of us who are marginalized, our nervous systems have been hijacked in a way right. by our culture where we are constantly, we can be constantly in a state of hypervigilance. And that makes sense. So I'm not going to like be like, oh no, you can't be in a hypervigilance. There are certain situations you actually, it's life or death. But to be in that state of hypervigilance, constant fight or flight in our nervous systems is causing illness, right? It scientifically it causes illness down the line, right? right. Um, so really, I think weaving a new world is reshaping our individual nervous system and our also our collective nervous system. Yeah. yeah. So, so that we can show up more resource, that we can show up more securely attached. Yeah. So weaving a new world, right? It, it seems like we, we can go macro then micro. And, and so if I were to go macro, the, the path seems like, wow, weaving this new world, like the possibility. Um, 
and 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 I'm usually the the the, the optimist of of all optimists. But then when I think about the reality of the, the the work that is required on a micro level with each individual, especially as it relates to like individuals who have a, a, a high degree of oppression, right? Uh, or financial or, or even. Um... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I would say insecurities as it relates to, to, to just nourishment, right? Like, like the level of, um, this could be completely, and this is more around how I'm internalizing this. So it could be completely shifting a little bit mentally when you think about it, but it seems like that path is, is aspirational, um, but very difficult to navigate. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I used to teach in South Central LA. And I remember when I first, you know, started teaching there. And I was teaching um, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. So, um, and I first started teaching there. I remember they were, I was like, they were told me like, oh, no, you can't do this with the kids because they're, you know, because they're these type of kids. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I remember when I walked into the classroom, the first thing I had the kids doing was meditating. Like, and they were like, what? <laughs> what, Miss Couture? But that's what we would do every single morning. We would like do like meditate, meditate, short meditation. And then they would just write in their journal whatever they need to write for like five, 10 minutes. And then we would start the lesson. And those small changes, like I saw there were kids who were not going to graduate and they graduated. So I think it's important to like the, the macro, like on the, to have that impact on the ma- macro level. If everyone is showing up, whether it's in their classroom, it's they're showing up in their boardroom, they're showing up in their you know, whatever space they're in and showing up with a different consciousness, that's how, where we can have that ripple effect. Mm, So that was me as a teacher, one teacher. (laughs) And, you know, I had kids who were the most like, you know, people were just like looking down on them to being like, they're not going to amount to anything. You know, I had kids who were on parole. I mean, literally in my class, it was the Bloods and the Crips. Like, that was my class. And I was like, we're going to meditate. Yes. I was like, (laughs) we're going to (laughs) meditate. And they did. And what I recognize in that, like, in having that experience, like, they're kids. Like, these are kids. They're human beings. Like, and our society um, demonizes them, right? Demonizes them. But they are our kids. And the majority, like pretty much my, my 12th grade and 11th grade class, my 12th grade class, so many people were not going to graduate and almost everyone in my class graduated. That's great. And I, and during lunch, I would have my door open and I was like, and I actually brought in my own computer from home so that, cause kids didn't have access to the computer. Like you can come in and type, you can come in and do your homework. 
But that's that's the level of like showing up that we need to do, especially for our communities to see that change. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I wanted to ask about, we're, we're starting to run short on time, so I want to get this in. <clears throat> when we talked about weaving that new world and you talked about that looked like living with dignity, there's another side to that that I want to, I want to dig into just a little bit. We've talked so much today about the work that we need to do, right? And the things that we as a black community need to overcome in order to find ourselves moving toward this place where we can truly live in this country with dignity. But the other side to that is there are people not of and in our culture that also have work to do. If we're to be able to make our way to a place of living with dignity, they have to play a role there. What is the work that has to be done with our allies and our accomplices look like? And I know you're already active in that space. So I'd love to hear more about what you're doing there and then what we can do as a community there as well. To put it very simply, it's like I feel, especially for people who are allies, white folks who are listening, um, it's, it's really about confronting um, anti-Blackness. And there's anti-Blackness within, of course, Black culture. There's anti-Blackness within um, non-Black folks of color. And there's anti-Blackness from white supremacy. So, and that's the roots of it. So I feel for, especially for folks who identify as white, interrogating and confronting anti-Blackness is a huge, huge part of the work. And it's not easy. It's not, and and, you know, we live in like (laughs) a culture. It's like, oh, let's, what's the easy way out? but this is centuries of work. However, I want to say it is their work to do. Yeah. It is their work to do. And through making sure or recognizing the humanity of Black folks and of all, you know, Black folks, Indigenous folks, and other folks of color, what happens for white folks is that they also get their humanity. Yeah. Because what the over, you know, like the over system, it strips everyone of humanity in different ways. So this is about reconnecting to humanness and seeing that interconnectedness. And that's part of like the, you know, decolonization. Everything right now, we kind of see everything as separate. Oh, that's the country. Oh, that's this country. But all these borders are colonial borders. Right. It's like I was just, you know, walking by the other day and I saw some ducks that were behind a gate. Right. The ducks don't know borders because borders don't exist. They are a construct of colonialism. They do exist because we created them. But really, in the greater sense, they it, it doesn't exist. Right. Um, and borders, it's, it's different from boundaries. That's a whole other topic. But um, <laughs> the, the thing is with, with, um, with white folks recognizing the interconnectedness and there's this default for you know, white supremacy, which is all about individualism. 
which is all about survival of the fittest, which is all about um, comfort at the expense of others, specifically Black folks um, with labor, specifically Indigenous folks when it comes to um, taking ownership of land and other folks of color. But it's, it's their work to do. It's their work to do and they get their humanity too. I love it. I love it. Well, look, we are, we're at the end of the episode, end of our time. And we always love to hand the mic over to our guest and give you a few moments to close us out and tell the listeners anything that's on your heart to tell them. The only thing we ask is that you do give them information on how they can follow you, engage with you, support you, and learn from you. That I'd love to hear whatever it is you have to tell them. Oh, thank you for allowing me to share. This has been such a, a amazing conversation, at least for me. Oh, it's been great over here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can actually keep talking to you both. And um, <laughs> so thank you for having me, everyone who's listening. Thank you for, for listening. Um, and if you want to stay connected, my website is embodiedblackgirl.com. My personal website is TheresCouture.com, T-H-E-R-E-S-E-C-A-T-O-R.com. And um, you could find me on social media at Embodied Black Girl, at Therese Couture. And I'm hosting, and I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm hosting a free workshop called Get Free, which is all around intergenerational healing. And it's open to any, anyone is welcome to come. Um, and that is at getfree.me, getfree.me. And that's where people can sign up for that. But that's, that's what I want to share. Thank you for allowing me to, to be here today. This has been so, so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> delicious. I love it. I love it. All right, brother, you got anything? Hey, the journey continues. The, the, the journey of self-mastery and it's okay to talk to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you might be in tune with your star player. <laughs> I love it, though. Great, Ooh. great. I, I think it's a lot of deep nuggets in this episode. Absolutely. Therese, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Wild Black, peace. We out. We love you. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.